Migraine Canada presents Migraine Talks with Dr. Elizabeth LaRue. A podcast to learn, share, and live better. Please remember, the content of this podcast does not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Discuss all decisions regarding your care and treatment options with your healthcare provider. Hello, my friends. It's Dr. Elizabeth LaRue. Uh, headache neurologist in Montreal and your host for today's podcast about migraine prevention. I thought I would tackle this topic because I discuss it on a daily basis with people in my office. And when I approach this idea of taking a medication for migraine prevention, here's the top five questions people usually ask me. Um, will these treatments affect the cause of migraine because I really don't want to just cover up my symptoms? Um, I have concerns about side effects and I would really prefer to avoid anything chemical going into my body. So is there a natural approach that maybe I could use instead of taking medications? If I take a treatment, well, how do we pick the right one for me, right? And what are my chances of getting better? And the last one, but not least, is, well, I have a treatment in mind and I fear my insurance company is not going to cover uh, what I need. So how will we manage that? So if you are followed by a headache neurologist or a headache specialist, and you have already tried many things, been there, done that, this may not be the podcast for you. You, you may know actually a lot of what I'm going to say. But if you are starting your trials, you want to understand your options, optimize discussions with your treating physician, well, this is the podcast for you. So in this podcast, I will make an overview at a high level um, about the different, this, the following topics. What is the cause of migraine? Who should try a preventive treatment? Um, what non-drug options can be used? The options available for migraine prevention. And I will talk about pills, Botox, and CGRP antibodies. And there will be a focus on how they work. And then we'll talk about how to try preventives, how to balance their benefits, their side effects, uh, the usual path to the preventive trials, and also say a few words about the impact of insurance companies on your decision. And finally, how to predict, you know, which preventive may work for you and some final words on uh, expanding options. Before we start talking about any treatment for any disease, it's always a good idea to review what the cause of the problem is, right? So if you want to dig deeper uh, in this topic, I encourage you to go on our YouTube channel and look at our webinar entitled uh, The Science of Migraine, where you're going to have a lot of detail and research about this. But let me just do a little summary for you guys. What is migraine? So migraine is a disorder of the brain. And it is caused by a bunch of genes. Usually there's different gene combinations. There's not only one gene that impact the software of your brain. So that means the chemical software, the electricity software, the energy software, causing uh, your brain to be sensitive to different triggers and um, with a different threshold and leading to migraine attacks. If there's one key word about migraine, it's diversity, right? Because people have different... Uh, triggers, different symptoms, and really relevant to today's podcast, different responses to treatments. And that's probably because there are so many gene combinations possible 
that will influence the way that your your brain is wired to interact with uh, the body and the environment. So as a consequence to that, there's actually two ways to manage migraine attacks or migraine frequency, actually. We cover uh, acute treatments in other podcasts. The first way is to decrease the load of triggers on your brain, right? So you can do that uh, by watching triggers, if you're aware of them, and also by stabilizing your brain and stabilizing your lifestyle. Uh, today's podcast is not about that, but usually we use the acronym SEEDS for sleep, exercise, eating and drinking, uh, diary, and then stress management, or sometimes I call that like energy pacing as well. So by adopting different lifestyle habits, you can actually make your brain more resistant. And we have tons of information on our website about that, uh, where you can use this kind of natural non-drug approach to make your brain more resistant. If you have um, health issues, for example, mental health or physical health, well, that might impact migraine as well. So stabilizing these issues also may help to decrease your migraine frequency. But let me tell you, my friends, that I've been doing this for 10 years and I've seen people who are, you know, masters of their routine. Okay, so they their sleep is perfectly uh, on check. Uh, they hydrate tons. They do yoga or meditation every day. They, they manage the, their time, their energy. Uh, they are aware of their triggers. And despite of all this, they still have frequent migraines. Because migraine is a disease and it has different severities, and sometimes you can really control things with a good lifestyle. Sometimes you need medication. Okay, quite frankly, a lot of diseases are like that. We always start with lifestyle, but then sometimes meds are required. So to my patients who want to start with natural approaches, I do the lifestyle first. But then sometimes, you know, the quality of life is too tough and we have to go to medications. So who should try medications for migraine prevention? This is really a decision that you should make. You know, it's your body, it's your life, you decide. So yes, your physician might actually invite you to try medication or say, well, it looks like you have a lot of attacks, but it's your decision in the end. And usually what I see is that people make this decision based on uh, the frequency and severity of their attacks and also the perception that they have about drugs. And that's why I wanted to make this podcast to kind of give you a maximum of information. I'll give you an example. So some people I treat have, let's say, eight days per month of migraine, but they, they are mild attacks. They can treat them with uh, acute therapies. Uh, the impact on their life is not that much and they're happy. They don't need medication uh, for prevention. But some of my other patients have eight attacks, super tough, you know, they're severe, they miss work, they miss their personal activities, and they want to have prevention. I see patients, it's actually not rare, I see patients who have 20 days, so high frequencies, but their headaches and migraine attacks are mild to moderate, and they kind of push through, they take an Advil or Tylenol, sometimes there's a medication overuse problem, but that's another topic. And they will just prefer to actually use something they know, like Advil or Tylenol, instead of trying a drug for migraine prevention. So there's a lot about, you know, perception of meds and, and how severely you're impacted and how interested your perception about your body and your health. So in the end, this is really your decision. But if your life is, is impacted by migraine, considering medical prevention makes a lot of sense. 
In this section, we'll talk about your options. Okay, so there are three big classes of medications that we use for prevention. There are pills, Botox, and CGRP antibodies, right? So I will say a few words about each of these classes, how they work, how they're used, and uh, so you can, you can have an idea. Because at the end, you make the decision. And I, a friend of mine, actually a colleague of mine, uh, with a, a very wise guy, uh, used to say that he sees himself a bit like the waiter as the, as the restaurant, right? So he can tell you what's on the menu. He can tell you what other people find good. He can tell you how the, the meals are cooked. Uh, he can tell you what he recommends, but you make the final decision. So here's a bit of information so you can uh, make your decisions about migraine prevention. So let's talk about the pill. So I'll actually, pre I'll actually present the options in chronological order. Um, so we started with the pills, then Botox came, then CGRP antibodies uh, came up more recently. The pills are uh, from three big families. They are from the family of drugs for epilepsy or seizures, drugs for depression or mood disorders, and drugs for blood pressure or hypertension. And now you're going to tell me, my blood pressure is low, I'm not depressed, and I certainly don't have epilepsy. So why on earth should I take any of these pills to treat migraine? Well, here's how the pills work. They actually influence the chemistry of your brain to make it more resistant to migraine attacks. So if we take the example of epilepsy drugs, epilepsy is a problem where the neurons are a bit too excitable, you know, they react a bit too much. Um, and so these drugs are neuron stabilizers. And there's a bit of that in migraine too, right? Migraine, um, migraine neurons tend to be also a little bit hypersensitive. So stabilizing neurons is how the drugs for epilepsy, typically things like topiramate or topamax work. If we look at drugs for depression, like typically amitriptyline or Illevil, um, well, you know, mood, pain, uh, sadness, and migraine are share the same networks. And these networks usually um, include something about serotonin, adrenaline. Uh, so those neurotransmitters are involved in mood and pain and migraine. So using things like amitriptyline makes a lot of sense, even if you're not depressed, because then you will modulate your pain networks. And actually, a lot of people who have other pains than migraine, like neck pain or knee pain, uh, may use these drugs to control their problem. The blood pressure drugs are interesting because, you know, migraine is, um, there's a part of migraine that's linked to blood vessels. Um, and these, these drugs may act on blood vessels, but they also act on neurotransmitters in the brain. So, for example, propranolol, which is a drug for blood pressure, um, does play a role, a role in adrenaline, which is the neurotransmitter for the stress response. And maybe it's this way, we don't know for sure, that it acts on migraine. So all the pills make sense, even if they have not been designed for migraine, they all can, can work for some people. And I'll talk later about you know, how to predict and, and how to tailor the treatments. So usually how they are used is the following. So you, you choose a pill, you increase the dose because usually it takes a few weeks to do that. And then if you don't have side effects, and we'll talk about that in a sec, um, then you observe the benefit ideally with a diary over two months and then you see. So that's the story for the pills. Let's talk about the Botox story. The Botox story is quite fascinating. Um, and I really want to explain what Botox does. Okay, so Botox works on nerves, any nerve. 
So picture the nerve as a big electric cable where there's an electric current. But at the end of the cable, the nerve actually releases little pockets or little bubbles uh, of messengers to its target. So depending on which target, then the, uh, the nerve, if it becomes blocked, it will not talk to its target. And so the action will not happen. So if you inject Botox, that's what it does. It actually stops the nerve from releasing those little bubbles or buckets of information. And so if you inject Botox in a motor nerve, then you will stop the muscle contracting. And if you inject Botox near a gland, then it will stop producing sweat or saliva. And if you inject Botox near a sensory nerve that talks to the skin or the pain receptors, it will not freeze the skin. It's not like the, the, the dentist stuff, right? It will modulate it. So it will kind of prevent the nerve from becoming hypersensitive or hyper irritated. And that's something we see in migraine. The, the nerves have low thresholds. They become what we call sensitized, very sensitive. People will say my skin hurts all the time. So we think this way Botox worked. So the interesting story of Botox is that it was actually used for women for cosmetic reasons uh, in the 80s, 90s. And these women reported, because nobody thought Botox would work for migraine, they reported that their migraines got better. Then the company looked at that and said, okay, let's make some studies, right? Uh, they made the studies and they saw that lo and behold, you know, <laughs> that, that Botox was working for chronic migraine. It does not work for uh, low frequency migraine. Um, and then it was put to market and then scientists actually learned a lot and made studies to understand how it works. So that was the way that it, it you know, we just looked, we saw it worked, we did the studies, and then we understood how it was working. Let's talk now about CGRP and Thai body. So that's the last kind of family available in Canada since 2018. Um, so let's let's see what CGRP is and what an antibody is, and let's all put two and two together. So CGRP is a protein. Okay, so we have it in our body. It's normal to have it. Everybody has it, and it actually plays different roles in how our body works. But two things that CGRP does uh, are related to migraine. It's actually a vessel, a blood vessel dilator, and it's also a pain kind of a, a pain sensitizer. So it it plays a role in inflammation and pain perception. So CGRP was discovered in the 80s. In the 90s, there were many researches and, and articles to show that CGRP was playing an important role in migraine. And not surprisingly, well, you know, researchers said, okay, hey, you know, it plays a role in migraine. So what if we can block it and, and, and treat migraine? Um, and that's when the antibodies were designed. So the ant an antibody is something we all have in our bodies. It usually plays a role in the immune system um, because antibodies bind to a target. So whatever the target is, it's like a lock and key system. They bind to a target and they prevent this target to, from doing whatever it's supposed to do. So they can bind a virus, they can bind a protein. And we are now able, and this is a miracle of science, we are now able to design antibodies to fit to certain proteins. So that's actually quite cool. So CGRP antibodies were designed, they were studied, uh, it was proven that they were effective for migraine. And now in Canada, we have four antibodies that are approved for migraine prevention. So they are Emovig, uh, Mgadity, HOV, and VFT. 
So do you see there's the interesting thing here is that the, the story is completely the reverse of the Botox story. Um, because like the CGRP was discovered, then there was an idea, then there was a proof, then there were uh, clinical trials, and, and then the, the treatment was put on the market, which is completely the reverse of Botox. So science does move in mysterious ways, but that's all the best for us people with migraine. It just gives us more option. So about Botox, you know, how it's given is 30 to 40 injections every three months. Uh, those of you who hate needles, I've been doing this for years. It takes a few minutes. Uh, it's usually well tolerated. And uh, for CGRP and antibodies, they are given, uh, you, give, you give that yourself. It's a shot, usually a syringe or a little uh, EpiPen style uh, injector once a month. All right, so let's say you have make your you made your decision. You say, I'm going to try something. So how do we monitor a response to a preventive treatment, right? And what if you have side effects? You know, is it, is it going to work? So let's look at the bright side, which is the benefit, the improvement. And after that, the dark side, the side effects. So the bright side is usually twofold. We can look at the headache, the frequency of the migraine attacks, and also at the more subtle aspect of the severity. So regarding frequency, what can you expect? You know, what, what are we looking at here when you start treatment? Well, the typical thing that we look at is a 50% response. That's mathematics, you know? So it's 50% response is chopping your frequency in half. So let's say you're chronic, you have 21 days or 22 days, you would be expected to go down to 10 days. That's a 50%. If you have a low frequency or a high, uh, episodic migraine, let's say you are at 10 days per month, then 50% would be five, right? Um, so that's kind of the typical thing that we're looking at. But remember what I said about migraine, diversity. So it's not a surprise that for any treatment, whatever that is, okay, drugs, diets, uh, supplements, uh, acupuncture, whatever, some people do not respond at all, zero, or even get a bit worse. Some people respond like 25-30%. And if you have chronic migraine, that actually might be significant for you. Some people hit that kind of 50% mark. And some people, the lucky people, um, hit the super response, the 75 plus response. So that would mean going from 21 days to seven days or from 12 days to four days. And those are the people who actually claim, go online and say, you know what? My life was changed. It's a miracle. I can live again. So that's the super response that we, we may see with actually virtually any treatment that we use. So looking at this kind of way of, of having a response, what can we expect from different medications? Well, average ballpark figure that hasn't changed for years and years is 50%. So with drugs, with pills, with Botox, with CGRP antibodies, roughly 40 to 60% of people will get this kind of 50% response. Okay, so that's what you can expect. There's no best, super, better in class uh, treatment. And then if we look at more subtle things, because in migraine world, there's a lot of subtlety, um, there's not only the frequency, because you guys know that, you know, you have your tolerance to triggers, uh, you have the severity of your attacks, how your attacks respond to acute meds. So sometimes a preventive will actually have these benefits that are, that are subtle, but important. So for example, you can start exercising again, 
uh, your triptan didn't work and now it does work. And you don't throw up anymore. You don't have, you don't miss work anymore. So all of this adds up to a better quality of life. Let's talk now about the dark side, the side effects. Every medication may have side effects, right? Every medication. Um, I will not list all the side effects of all the treatments because that could take some time. But I'll just a few examples, right? So some medications, like for example, amitriptyline can make you drowsy. Um, the pyramid can give you difficulty finding words and tingly hands and feet. Um, beta blockers can give you fatigue and the low blood pressure, you know, duh, you know, it's, it's for blood pressure. So no surprise there, but sometimes it's a problem. Um, Botox can actually give you a change in your face. It's not supposed to, okay, but depending on your face and depending on how it's injected, and it can cause some pain uh, on the injections. And since European antibodies, interestingly, they, they tend to produce uh, skin reactions, like having redness or swelling uh, in some people. And also constipation, because CGRP plays a role in the gut. So this is not an exhaustive list, but it just gives you the diversity of side effects. So just remember one thing, okay? It's the same thing applies for uh, benefits, but also for side effects. You never know who's going to, to have side effects. And I want to say a word of caution about patient forums, because I love patient forums. You know, they're great. They break the stigma. They, 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 they provide support, uh, they give very useful information. And yes, it's cool to see someone sharing, you know, saying, oh, how did it go for you? But just take this with a grain of salt, because remember that even if you see a story of a miracle or a story of a catastrophe, it might not apply to you. And uh, you, your story might be completely different. And in my practice, and I see hundreds and hundreds of patients, some people love to pyramid and hate amitriptyline. Some people don't like Botox and will just, you know, find that a CGRP antibody is their thing. There's a lot of diversity out there. So at the end of the day, when you try something, you will usually take a few months to try a prevention. Please use a headache diary. Okay, so this is this will help your doctor. Um, and I wanted to mention it before, but Please use a diary to look at the frequency, the severity, your impact on your life, your medication use. We encourage people to use the uh, Canadian Migraine Tracker, which is a free app uh, that can help you to track your symptoms and your attacks. Uh, but anything will do. You know, it can be a paper diary, it can be another app. Um, but try the Canadian Migraine Tracker. Have a look. All right, so now let's try, let's talk about the overview on, on how you're going to try these things. And that's where the insurance plays a role. Yeah, because so the majority of Canadians, either they will have public coverage or private coverage, and 10% approximately will have, will pay out of pocket for their treatments. Obviously, insurance companies will pay for pills first, and then they will pay for Botox or CGRP antibodies only if you have failed two or three pills, usually from different classes. And this makes sense, right? Because the pills work. Um, yes, they may have, they, maybe they have more side effects, but many people don't have side effects and they fare very well. So the insurance companies usually will have criteria that you have to check some boxes before you can access what we will call second line therapies like Botox or CGRP antibody. Um, 
the, the problem comes that you never know exactly what the checkboxes are, right? So, and it can actually vary between what the same company between a plan A and a plan B. So this is where you work with your doctor to kind of, you know, check the usual boxes and fill forms and apply for coverage for these things. Because, you know, Botox and CGRP antibodies are uh, uh, of a higher cost and not many people can afford that out of pocket. So really work with your doc because usually you can try the, the different oral pills and then you can access uh, second line options. I want to underline that Migraine Canada does work for access and equitable access to care for everybody, for every treatment, right? Um, and so we have different actions and different petitions and different initiatives to ensure that these drugs are covered by private and public payers all across Canada. Now we are close to the end of our podcast and um, I wanted to discuss the issue of predicting the response to a drug. Um, and, and often my patients ask me, you know, how do I choose? Well, usually the doctor will actually recommend to you to use something that may maybe help you with another problem. For example, if you have high blood pressure, then of course, a blood pressure drug can be good for you. But at the end of the day, uh, we, it's very unfortunate, but we cannot predict response to treatments. So it would be fantastic if you say, okay, you have an aura or you have this, this interesting symptoms like you have, let's say, a, um, you become very sensitive to smells particularly, or you have neck pain. And because of that, I'm going to give you this drug and it's going to be great. But the sad truth is that your doctor has no way to predict which drug will be, will be good for you or which drug will give you side effects. So it's a lot. It's really a leap of faith every time. It's a bit of a hurdle race uh, because we cannot predict. So maybe in the future we'll be able. It's actually a holy grail of migraine medicine. Uh, the other holy grail being finding a biomarker, so a lab test or an EG test or an MRI test that can kind of prove migraine. Uh, we're not there yet. So it's very difficult and you really have to work with your doctor uh, because we don't have predictive factors. So maybe someday we'll have them. Um, but at present time in practice, we don't, right? Um, but the list of options actually is growing, which is fantastic because in the old days, can you picture, you know, in the seventies, uh, where there was nothing for migraine prevention. So year after year, we are, we are building our options. And now that CGRP is an interesting target, there will probably be more targets, new things, you know, that the more we know about the causes of migraine. And the more we can actually create treatments um, or even find natural ways like diets, for example, or other things that can help you deal with migraine and live better. So I'd like to end by a positive comment. My friends, congratulations for listening to this podcast. It was a long one. It was a dense one. And there's a lot of medical stuff here. I suspect, you know, some, some doctors are not very familiar with so you are taking things in your own hands. And for that, I congratulate you. Um, as the list of options grows, you know, things, things are getting more complicated. And the only way through that is to get informed and learn more. And so you can discuss with your healthcare providers. So I thank you for the time you spend by listening uh, to our podcast. I thank you for your support of Migraine Canada. 
And I hope this podcast was uh, interesting and useful for you. I wish you to find something that helps you live the life to the fullest. And until our next podcast, be well. Migraine Canada is a not-for-profit organization. We improve the lives of Canadians affected by migraine and other headache disorders through awareness, support, education, advocacy, and research. This podcast does not replace a medical advice. Always consult your treating healthcare provider to make any medical decision. If you enjoyed the content of this podcast, listen to the 11 others from our 2021 series available on your favorite platform. Remember that you'll find plenty of additional information on MigraineCanada.org. Is there a topic you'd like to hear about in the future? If you have suggestions or feel like sharing your thoughts, please email us at info at MigraineCanada.org and don't forget to check our website. We'd love to hear from you. 